Hi there, you're listening to the Practical Stoic Podcast with your host, me, Simon Drew. If you'd like to listen to over 200 episodes that were recorded before 2020, then you can head to my Patreon site. It's patreon.com forward slash Simon J.E. Drew. We'd love to have you there and any support is greatly appreciated. We'd love to also have you on our Facebook community, The Practical Stoic Mastermind. But for now, enjoy the show. Hey everyone, my name's Simon Drew and you're listening to The Practical Stoic Podcast. Now, today I've got a great interview that I did with Travis Hume. Now, some of you will probably have read some of Travis's uh, works that he's posted on modernstoicism.com, and you've probably seen him on his website as well called applyingstoicism.com. And uh, so Travis is actually writing a lot about uh, how we can really practically apply stoicism into our daily lives. And so I wanted to get him on here and discuss kind of how we would apply stoicism in our careers and in the workplace. I thought that would be a really interesting discussion, and it was, and I'm so grateful that he came on the show. Uh, So I'll tell you just a little bit about Travis. So uh, he's the creator, administrator, and writer of AppyingStoicism.com, as I said, and all of its social media accounts. And he writes daily on the practical applications of Stoic philosophy for a modern day, uh, based upon first-hand real-world experiences. So uh, that's exactly the kind of person who we want to have on the show. And uh, you can find all the links to where you can find Travis online, including his Patreon page, uh, in the show notes below. So make sure you head that, uh, head to there, uh, show him some love, make sure you let him know how much you appreciated him coming on the show. And uh, without any further ado, I present to you, Travis Hume. One of the ways that we gather a lot of meaning in our lives is through our career. Like we spend so much time working at these jobs, it's probably a good idea to um, use stoicism through our careers to to make them better, to be more effective at them, and also to gather more meaning out of them. Um, so I guess I'll start with the question, what, what do you think has been most helpful to you out of out of stoicism? Like what's what what led you to stoicism and what has been most effective for you to practice in, in your life in general? So the two most recent jobs that I had, one of which I didn't mention in that kind of cluster that I gave you in the beginning mm-hmm. uh, was working with Comcast mm-hmm. um, as a sales support rep in the storefront. Yeah. So on top of trying to sell you stuff that you don't want, mm-hmm. <laughs> I had to convince you that you were in fact happy with your services. Yeah. Um, so just like any sales position you had, you had goals. Um, and as often with those goals, sometimes many times, um, they are unrealistically high. Hmm. Um, if you happen to hit those goals, uh, the expectations increase Mm -hmm. and, uh, it just kind of goes from there. Like it's an unsustainable growth model, but Mm -hmm. it's treated as if it's, it's completely approachable and Mm -hmm. possible. Um, so in that situation and working as like a GameStop assistant manager, you had to be able to accept that the day was going to happen, mm-hmm. that there was nothing that you could do about it, um, that it was extremely likely that expectations were going to be thrown at you uh, constantly throughout the day, mm-hmm. even possibly uh, while you're off the clock when it shouldn't. When that should be the case, um, things can happen that inconvenience you. Um, you may have come across uh, 
rude customers, uh, customers that no longer see you as a human. Hmm. They see you as the object of their frustration or an obstacle to what they ultimately want, which is like a lower Hmm. price or something that is rare, hard to find, that sort of thing. So Epictetus, I'm going to paraphrase him, um, refers to this in different parts of the discourses. In one example, he says that um, you can trade you can trade something, but not for nothing. Everything um, comes at the result of something else. So mm. um, you can he gives the example of going to like the market and like you're about to buy a cabbage or something. If you have the coin in your hand and you buy the cabbage, congratulations, you now have a cabbage. But mm. if you choose not to buy the cabbage, then you keep the coin. The point of all this stuff that's coming out of my mouth um, is to explain that if you you can either give yourself into the expectations and and give into the corporate culture, whatever culture you're part of, hmm. and uh, subject yourself to everything that that entails, or you could decide not to. And hmm. the decision, the option of not giving into that that corporate culture, isn't something that a lot of people are aware of or might find completely strange or alien. Mm. Um, they just, most people, understandably, as they haven't seen ex- examples of anything really different, um, go through life, as you said, and their careers are the focal point. By extension, everything stems from it. Money, uh, creature comforts, um, fun things. And don't get me wrong, fun things are awesome. Hmm. like truly it's whether or not those fun things kind of gain control over your brain Hmm. so to speak um but uh, the sales positions the retail positions are probably one of the hardest to apply stoicism to in the sense that if you are doing exceptionally well ironically because of your stoic practices of accepting that things are going to happen the way that they happen um that you are going to be approaching rude customers as if they were human beings and that can be Mm. disarming to people they Mm -hmm. can come up to you and start like screaming in your face like i told you i wanted this thing even though they were talking to somebody else and it can be disarming to them for you to be approachable and say miss um i'm not going to be able to help you effectively if you're Mm. screaming in my face i'm going to do everything i can to help you but you have to work with me Mm. and um it's helpful in those situations Hmm. So retail is is a good like a good mental battlefield, a testing yep. ground, so to speak, uh, for getting active experience in applying stoicism. Hmm. Um, the other place I got the most experience in was working with uh, the special needs and at risk populations I mentioned before. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and I really love what you're saying there about the trade off. You know, I I don't think I've really delved into that enough what Epictetus says about that, but it's, it's so incredibly true. You either accept that you have to deal with the crappy situation that you've got right now, or you choose to not be in that situation, but there's also something that you'd have to give up or you'd have to gain, um, in order to, to achieve that. Um, and I, I think a lot of people out there can probably resonate that because they're in jobs that they absolutely hate. They don't understand why they get up and go to work every day and, and they feel like there's no way out. 
um, if if you look at it as somewhat of a an, a natural extension of the Stoic idea of there's always a way for you to be free, then you see that there are absolutely other options out there. You know, that option might be, okay, I don't like where I'm at. I'm willing to give up my evenings so that I can learn a new skill so that in two years from now I can change industries and be somewhere where it's a little bit better. Um, but I, I tend to think of even Seneca talking about how, you know, like, you're, or was it Seneca or was it someone else? He t- Sorry, oh, yeah. He told the story about the Spartan who was ordered to do that, that task, like taking, taking a chamber pot and dumping it or something like that. And the Spartan mm-hmm. ran against the wall and, and killed himself and, and, and said in his native tongue, I, you know, I'll, I'll never be a slave. Right. And right. that's the choice that we all have in pretty much every moment of our life to not be a slave and and when you think that you're stuck in a career that you absolutely hate that you know is wrong that you know is leading to nowhere know that you have the choice to figure this and you have the ability to figure this out right like you have the ability mm-hmm. to problem solve and get yourself out of a situation that you don't like to be in have you found yourself in that situation before where you've just been like i need to get out of this and i'm going to figure out how to get out of it well, ironically, um, I felt that with uh, most of the positions that I've done or mm. that I've been in, yeah. Um, with the exception of GameStop for about three months, mm-hmm. um, there was uh, a change in how the corporate structure started approaching things. Um, different changes in management, like it was a a, a roller coaster <clears throat> of over the course of three months or so, with managers coming in and out, and I was basically like the only like management bedrock that was mm-hmm. still there. Um, the, I'm not going to harp on Epictetus too much. It's just that he has a lot of relevant examples. Um, typically when it comes to situations that are really difficult and he's mm-hmm. trying to jar his students to recognize things that they might be missing in the moment uh, mm-hmm. because they, they may be allowing themselves to, be a little a little consumed um, by their circumstances. Uh, so, in this example that that comes to mind, um, Epictetus is talking about, uh, I, I guess, a servant, a servant that is cleaning out um, chamber pots, hmm. uh, <laughs> like bathroom pots, and he, the the person that he was speaking with was trying to explain to him that I don't want to do this. It's super gross. I don't want to deal with it. Uh, I I'm doing it because I have to get money to get food, but I don't mm. want to do it anymore. And in that example, that specific example, Epictetus explained to him that you have the option to not to not do it, but that you have to be cognizant of what would come with that, yeah. and how that applies to being a philosopher. And that being a philosopher is difficult in the sense that you have the freedom. If you choose to to grab it by the horns, I guess is a good way to say it. Mm. Um, but that the the trade off is, is that you won't you won't get supper sometimes. Mm. Um, and and what I mentioned before, each of the the places that I worked at, I I didn't have any affinity for them at all. Um, yeah, it was I moved, I took uh, something that was. That matched my skill set in working mm-hmm. with special needs populations, 
Um, but it, it wasn't ultimately what I wanted to do. What I yeah. want to do is write full time. Obviously, yeah. there's about a million and a half obstacles to that. Mm. And in the meantime, I have to clear chamber pots <laughs> yeah. until until that happens. Um, it's just a matter of uh, choosing what I'm willing to do, what the circum basing, comparing that to the circumstances that I'm in, um, the the conventional stuff that I have to take care of, like an apartment, food, um, that sort of thing, hmm. and making decisions based off of that. Uh, how how the, do you make those decisions? If if I might jump in there, like how. How do we look at the trade-off or the tra- the many trade-offs that we make? Because life, as you said, is like constant trade-offs. Right. How should you view so, that and how should you rationalize the, the right trade-off? So it's the, the Stoics explain that in addition to there being those uh, types of trade-offs, you have to be cognizant of what you're being asked to do. Ultimately... If in a if you're in a position um, such as like working in Comcast, I'll use it as an example. Hmm. If you're in a position, theoretically, not saying this happened to me, but theoretically, if someone is asking you to do something such as lie to a customer about a promotion hmm. or to uh, inflate your numbers somehow, you you have to be willing to override that part of your brain that says. Um, I could, I might actually get away with this with the support mm. of this person. Um, I could, you know, who's who's it really going to hurt? Um, I could get some extra money, some higher commission out mm. of this. Um, those are fleetingly convincing thoughts because they're they're untrained. They're just impulsive. Mm. You have the option in that moment to recognize that what you're dealing with is an appearance and you don't have to give it any weight. It's not telling you that, that the money is valuable. It's not telling you that the possible uh, promotion is valuable. You are Mm. pushing that sentiment onto, onto the money, onto the uh, increased reputation, that sort of thing. There has been a couple of positions that I've resigned from because I didn't agree with the way that things were progressing. Um, Mm. I did my duty in the sense that I made sure that um, whoever it was that I was working with understood things well enough to, um, uh, to continue things uh, while I was gone Mm. Um, that I attempted to work with supervisors or management staff to make them aware that I was aware of what was happening and what possible solutions were. Um, before, and then ultimately, if, if nothing really conclusively changed, then I couldn't give, I couldn't do much more in the position than I, than I already have. Yeah. Um, and it was ultimately up to them to make the change. Hmm. And it's as far as what to do and, and when specifically, unfortunately, there's only general guidelines and it's based off of your experience and applicant and applying stoicism Mm. the the habit of going through each situation trying to identify what the the what the right thing appears to be is it philosophically consistent is there a precedent for Mm. how like marcus Aurelius or musonius rufus or so on and so forth 
is there something similar that they've done? Um, and then matching it against what you've done so far, overriding the fear by approaching your managers, seeing that instance of overcoming your fear as an opportunity to improve your experience and talking to people mm. in power, if it might be improving circumstances. And then if you've literally done everything that you can in that case, based off of what's in front of you, um, Marcus Aurelius actually recommends to just you, you peace out. <laughs> yeah. You peace out and you try to improve things elsewhere. Yeah. But the, the ability of, of improving things that way for people or your own personal life in general doesn't depend mm. on a vocation or a career. Yeah. Um, it, it's all just vehicles for, yeah. for training. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's a really important point. I want to, I want to stick with that because I just had a, a coaching call with one of my one of my clients, and one of the things that we discussed was was that if your ultimate goal is virtue and courage and temperance and like 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 living essentially for good, then absolutely everything that you do in your life can be a vehicle through which you can practice that goal and come closer to it. And so it's no longer about box ticking. And it's more about, am I aligning or wherever I am, am I here doing it well? Right. That's essentially the, the, the question that you come to. And so how do you think that, that sto no, not stoicism. How, how do you think that our careers can be a vehicle through which we can really practice that, that virtue or practice, um, I, I guess our rationality and, and, and our tendency to want to be good. Mm -hmm. uh, so regardless of where you are on on the ladder in the place that you're working in hmm. you ultimately first have a responsibility to yourself to try to improve yourself to the yeah. best of your ability this this your objective is to aim aim being the key word mm -hmm. aim to be uh the stoic ideal to get yourself to that point where the what appears to be the right decision is just mm. something that you not automatically do, but it's it's so it's second nature going into first nature. Yeah, uh, getting yourself to that point is going to take a lot of steps, a lot of steps, a lot of overcoming your desire to do things that would impress your uh, supervisors for the sake of appearances um mm. overriding your fears such as if you make a mistake at work even if it's even if it's not not trivial if it's if it's trivial to moderately inconvenient or problematic to make yourself first willing to address it immediately instead of pushing it under the rug and if mm. it's serious enough to make yourself go to the supervisor or whoever even knowing that you you might get punished, I guess, or get like an official reprimand or whatever you mm. say it, even situations like that, if you are knowingly doing something to overcome your fear, you are gaining endurance. You're gaining courage, mm. and it makes you more willing to do things in the future that are like that and not being afraid to do it. And if you're mm. not afraid of doing things because of somebody's position in relation to yours, you're more at peace in general. 
hmm. you're you're less likely to be affected by other things that happen to be fearful, uh, such as your your car potentially uh, breaking down at any point because you haven't been able to maintain it well, um, uh, just because of money issues or or otherwise, uh, potentially. Um, losing your apartment or your house because you're not able to make uh, payments on time. Um, different things happening with scheduling in your life where a ton of stuff seems to be happening at once mm. and you have only very middling control over any of it and being able to navigate that properly. Um, all of it ties together and it's all with simple moment by moment choices it all goes back to the choices. Hmm. And and I think I think what's so awesome about what you're saying is that is that when you are able to practice your virtue at every single level of of your career, um, I think that that leads to a certain uh, confidence and a certain trust in yourself. Meaning, you know, if you're ten minutes late to work one day you probably want to be in the position where your boss looks at that and thinks, well, that's just, that's not how they usually are. So that's okay. Like I, I get that they probably had a very good reason to be late for work that day. Right. And so you right. want to be that kind of person who is, who is always trying to do the best at whatever they're doing and to use whatever they're doing as a vehicle for personal improvement. Because then when you do mess up, it's not because you're genuinely a person who is always just messing up and isn't good at what you're doing. It's because you know, something went wrong and, and you were unable to, you know, fix what went wrong. And so it gives you a certain confidence. And, and, and I think even for your employer or for the people who you're accountable to, you want employees who are taking care of themselves and their best interests first, so that when they're doing their job, they're also able to put themselves fully into that in, into that position and to give it their best and and to be the best that they can be. Um, and when you have that kind of employee, you can trust them and you can trust that they're always going to work at the best interests of everyone as well. Um, mm -hmm. Now, what did I want to... I wanted to jump into to one other thing as well. Um, yeah, that's it. So we're talking about like acting in your career is there, in your opinion, a formula or any sort of strategy through which somebody who's practicing stoicism can can choose their career effectively or wisely? Because there's obviously, we've talked about this, like there's the, there's the kind of pertinent career that is right in front of you that you need to have right now in order to make money so that you can do the things that you need to do in life, right? But then mm. there's also the long-term perspective of like okay well i actually really feel like i'm drawn to this and i need to be doing this how does a stoic think or how 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 can stoic sorry stoicism help us to think about how to pick a career do you think you mean like aiming towards that goal of for my own example of becoming like a full-time writer yeah exactly like how do you get to mm -hmm. that stage yeah uh so there's there's an example where a Stoic, I think it's Epictetus again. I'm mm -hmm. really on that. I love Epictetus. <laughs> I'm really the on that probably train. does too. So yeah, yeah. 
Um, I'll think of other examples. I think I snuck Marcus in there somewhere. Um, yeah. But in this specific example, there's there's a student that Epictetus is working with, and the student says, uh, when am I going to be a Stoic? When is this just going to be part of me, and I can just do stuff and not worry about things happening mm-hmm. and enjoying life? Um, I'm guessing Epictetus' of- answer was like, never? <laughs> well, but not, not quite, but it's it's more close to it's going to take a long time just yeah. like everything else in nature does if you put a uh like a, a seed in the ground it's going to take however long in order to mm. grow you can't just have the end result all at once you have yeah. to be willing to work at it um you are going to it's likely just because of of different events happening things that you can't fully account for it's likely that you're going to be set back a lot, possibly many, mm. many, many times. Uh, but you have to understand going into that, aiming towards that goal that we were talking about, um, that that's going to happen. You are going to fail. It, you are going to struggle. Mm. You might uh, miss the goal. You might seem like you're achieving the goal. And then at the last possible moment, the person that you're speaking with says, um, well, we actually found somebody else. I'm really sorry. Thank you for your mm. time. Here's, here's a very nice letter explaining that we would like to have you on again. You're in the back of our minds. That's going to happen probably repeatedly. Or it's not. And mm. it'll just happen. And it'll it'll seem almost miraculous in the sense that everything will just kind of fall into place. Mm. Ultra rare that that happens. Probably not, just given the, the chances. Um, but you if you are able, if you're cognizant of the fact that life is and things within it are going to happen the way that they happen um, as they happen, then you are going to be much better prepared to uh, approach things in such a way as to increase the chances that you will eventually get there. Mm. Um, I don't technically know if I will ever be a writer. I don't. Mm. Um, I have to contend with the fact that the job that I have now is well-paying enough that I can uh, reasonably account for things, and I'm mm. and I'm not taking that for granted. I'm aware, as well as my family is aware, that if I try to approach being a full-time writer without additional background experience, additional writing material, and so on, um, in place, that I will struggle a lot. Um, mm. That I might have to do things that uh, I'm not particularly interested in. Um, and that I'm not inclined to do, such as freelance work or mm-hmm. uh, professional editing, um, uh, search engine optimization type stuff. Mm. If that happens, then that's that's what happens on the way there. Um, all I can do is be willing in that earlier example to say to myself, I can either spend the coin that I have for the cabbage, the cabbage mm. being the full-time authorship, or I can just keep the coin which is effectively a euphemism for me staying as I am, uh, going into uh, secondary, third-level roles, managerial, mm. supervisors, so on and so forth. I'm not going to do that. It's Stoicism has taken over my brain, and I'm mm-hmm. extremely thankful for that, and I can't not write on it. Mm. Um, so I'm going to aim for that goal. But yeah. I recognize that I could fail a lot <laughs> yeah. on the way to doing that. Yeah. 
and not only that you could but you will you know it's just it's just a natural part of of how we as human beings problem solve and how we move forward it's just you know one miraculous recovery after another to to quote somebody who was talking about jazz improvisation um but uh you know i i also think about choosing careers from the perspective of the cosmopolitan kind of view of of humanity um and also from the like aligning with nature kind of standpoint in stoicism uh and you might be able to say whether there's any grounding on what I'm, I'm, I say here, but it seems like there there has to be an element of what am I naturally drawn to? What naturally pulls me in and, and, and where are my talents? Where are my skills? And then how can I effectively use those talents and skills to play an important role in the larger society of humanity, Right. And, mm-hmm. and, and it seems like it's probably an important question to ask of like, if I was to fully embody everything that I know that I'm drawn to, for example, like you and your writing or me and my music or, you know, me and the podcast, whatever. It's like, if I was to fully embody that, what kind of positive ripples could that send throughout society to help the greater community? And you and I see this with our writing um, at a very tangible, our writing or you know podcasts or whatever at, on a very tangible level. Like you write something or I record a podcast, we put it out there, and we see people come back to us saying this has been extremely helpful for me, and it's helped me to see life in a different way. And so you can probably agree. For us, it's very easy to see the ripples that we send out into society. Do you think that it's important for people to question, like, what are the talents or the skills that I have that I could bring to the workforce and then to move closer towards them because that's the path of least resistance in terms of adding to society? Mm. So I I understand what you're saying. Um, I hope I formulated the, that okay. <laughs> no, you, you did. I got it. Mm. Uh, so the, the Stoics explain that each of us has particular aptitudes that for one reason or another we've developed over time Hmm. Um, these aptitudes are something that we can uh, give uh, enough weight into Hmm. and it's fine to do so as long as your objective always falls back to are my intentions in pursuing this thing um, to benefit myself and by extension attempting to benefit other people as far as Mm. that um role model aspect goes that i've been kind of hinting at throughout Mm. uh i'm good at sales i do not like sales yeah (laughs) (laughs) i'm i'm uh good at being uh extremely courteous and disarming people that are upset or um, or rude or have extremely high expectations that are misaligned mm. with what I can actually provide. Um, that I both In both of those circumstances, you can thank Stoicism for that because they're just extensions of the, pl- the principles that I'm trying to apply in that mm. moment. Um, as, as far as uh, making sure that your mind is in the right place, you... Your objective, regardless of whether or not you're at the the bottom of the totem pole 
or if you are a managerial position or if you are the president of the company or what have you, some kind mm. of auxiliary for the company. If you are a stoic that is trying to do their best to identify what is appropriate in the situation based off of pres- precedent, intent, um, the resources that are in front of you um, with an eye on overcoming your desires and fears by acting in opposition to them where it makes sense. And it's mm. tough to clarify that because we're kind of playing with stuff that is uh, theoretical mm. um, in, in that I'm talking about like mystery jobs, <laughs> jobs yeah. that I'm not really familiar with. Yeah. Um, you, If you are trying to approach your position that way, if another person that is on an, the other side of the company is also trying to approach things in that same way, uh, looking to intent, to historical um, examples and so on, you are both working towards the same goal, even though what you are doing as part of your occupation can be a little or completely different. Hmm. Um, and uh, the best example possible of that is uh, Marcus Aurelius and Epictetus being complete, utter ends of the spectrum as far as um, hmm. the the benefits uh, of their circumstances, um, the difficulties of their circumstances, uh, what kind of power, so to speak, that they wield, uh, what mm. kind of reputation they hold, that sort of thing. But they, they recognized that their objectives were the same, even though one was a released slave and the other one was an emperor. Mm. It's this, literally nothing has changed as far yeah. as that goes in about 2,000 years. Um so that's yeah. that's the objective is to is to center yourself regardless of what position you're in. Yeah, and and that's that's one thing that I think is really important for people to get. Like no matter what career you're in, maybe unless you're like a like a warlord or something, like, like maybe, maybe there are certain careers where it's it's almost impossible to uh, aim at virtue. I guess. Right. Um, yes. But in 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 so many careers. Uh, you can have the same goal as somebody in a completely different industry as you, um, but it can help you to be effective in what you're doing right now, and and that is 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 trying to, I guess, uh, you know, again, what you said before, like add to your life and to the lives of those around you in as, as positive a way as possible, and to to aim at virtue, and you know, I can even I can even see this in sales because I feel very similar to you. Like I'm good at sales, but I don't necessarily like sales right and maybe that's because there are two kinds of sales like there's there's definitely a culture in some sales communities or some sales careers of like you get the sale no matter what if you have to lie if you have to cheat if you have to whatever you have to do you get the information that type of thing exactly you know it's it's like it's it it can be a very like that's why used car salesmen have such a bad reputation because it's it's like they would do anything to get the sale and they will tell you tell you anything. But then you come across people who approach sales in a different way from the perspective of I have an extremely valuable product. I believe in the product. I know that it's going to be helpful for you. And if I can just show you that what I have to give you will actually add to your life and will help you in many ways then maybe you'll see that what I have to give is valuable and you'll buy it and it'll be a mutually beneficial 
purchase that where mm-hmm. I will benefit because you're purchasing and you will benefit because I'm providing you with a really good service. And in the end, everybody's happy and you don't walk away thinking you've just got a crappy deal. And I don't walk away thinking that, you know, I've just taken advantage of you. you. Exactly. And, and so in pretty much every career, I bet you could find an extreme example of somebody who's doing it completely wrong and in a bad way. And an example of somebody who's doing it from a place of service, you know? Um, Mm -hmm. And so it's kind of like the way to approach it would be to make sure that no matter what career you're in, you are approaching it in, in the view to serve both yourself and the people who you're trying to help. If that, if that kind of makes sense. Yeah. Yep, it absolutely does. Mm, yeah, I love that. Um, well, I love that, we're, that we've been able to come to this. I guess um, I, I guess we've kind of gone through, yeah, like choosing a career, how to kind of, I guess, view your current position. <laughs> Let's say somebody, and this might be a good place to kind of wrap up the career, posi- uh, the career kind of uh, discussion, but let's say somebody really wants to be climbing that ladder. From a stoic perspective, how do they first decide whether that's the right ladder to climb? And how do they second, uh, I, I guess, go about approaching that climb? Like, like how, how should they mm-hmm. view their ability and also the way that they're about to approach this um, from a stoic perspective? Uh, so there's... I'm paraphrasing again, and I don't remember from who. I yeah. just have the information. Are you um, just saying that because you don't want to say Epictetus again? No, actually, no, <laughs> no, not in this specific <laughs> circumstance. I literally yeah. can't remember. <laughs> yeah. Um. And it, kind of touching on uh, that thing that we talked about a little bit ago, where you're you have certain aptitudes and so on, that can mm. kind of uh, form a part of. Uh, how you go about if you want a promotion or not Hmm. the there are certain building blocks that you carry with you as a practicing stoic that you just by habit develop early on and you Hmm. try to apply to most things even at a very um very simple everyday common level Hmm. um all the way up to the possibility of getting a promotion um, phrasing the the repeating to yourself of different stoic principles that are really short and very applicable to whatever's in front of you. Such and I'll give you examples that I use. I would I would say probably every two minutes mm-hmm. <laughs> while while I'm at work. Yeah. Uh, the biggest one is that you're you are an appearance and not necessarily what you seem to be, or mm. some variation of that. Uh, very rarely is the first appearance that we get the impression of something accurate. Um, most, uh, what happens is that if you, you get two different things, you get your sensory, uh, perception of what seems to be happening, smell, Mm. sight, um, uh, hearing, so on and so forth. The other side of it is what seems to be an involuntary value judgment of what seems to be happening. And those two things get smashed together and Mm. that forms the impression. Uh, A really mundane example is there's a tree falling and it's about to fall on me and this is bad. A very Mm. obvious example, another one being there's a cake in front of me. I love cake. 
I want the cake. Uh, it probably tastes good because I can smell mm. it. It looks looks nice. You can cut that off and the, at the pass because once those two things come together and your brain assigns a meaning to it, that kind of phrasing of I see the cake and I want the cake, you mm. at that point can say to yourself, that's the proposition. I'm being told based off of this this initial impression and my senses that this thing is happening and mm. that it seems to be good. That applies to uh, a promotion. It applies to commission, uh, so on and so forth. The, the, the difficulty lies in what your aim is and trying to uh, go up the ladder or to try mm. to pursue something. It's going to be a little bit controversial mm-hmm. to say, uh, but there are cases where if you are offered a promotion or a better position or more money, higher commission rates, whatever, mm-hmm. that is a, there is an option for you to willingly not take that thing, mm-hmm. to willingly not pursue it, and to do and the reason why you would you would possibly do that is because you will say to that proposition that you're an appearance and not necessarily what you seem to be this Hmm. higher commission this better reputation this title change it it only has meaning that i attribute to it Hmm. so i could refuse it um Hmm. Going back to Epictetus, <laughs> yeah. Um, if there's, if there's, if you're at uh, like somebody's house and they're passing around something that looks delicious, you can choose not to take that thing. Yeah. And the choice of of building a resistance to that, building the the courage, the resistance to these things being overpowering to you, mm. um, that is there. Nobody can take that away from you. Um, once you realize that you have that choice. And you're and you're willing, willing being the key word to act on it. Hmm. Suddenly, it's not so, it's not so bad, per hmm. se, to to take it, because at that point you are approaching it correctly. You are saying to yourself, all of these bells and whistles that are going to come with this, that that isn't going to control me. Hmm. I can turn it down if I choose to. Um, there's. There was a, a recent example. There was a recent example where I did that, hmm. um, and it was extraordinarily difficult. But I don't regret it at all. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> because it means that that I I had the control. Hmm. Um, and and I guess another example of what you're saying there is 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 if you look at it as if it's a trade off. Going back to what you said earlier, it's like a look a, a perfectly reasonable i guess excuse to not to not take a promotion might be that you realize that if you take that promotion yeah you're going to be getting paid a lot more but you'll have to spend an extra 10 hours a week outside of your home and maybe you're already spending a little bit too much time at work not enough time with your family you know or with or with your community or whatever like right. maybe maybe the promotion is actually going to lead you down a path where all you are is somebody who gets up and goes to work and then comes home and sleeps. And, and, oh my gosh, I've met so many people who are like this and, and, and they struggle with it. They really struggle with it. The idea that all they do is they get up, go to work, come home, sleep, get up, go to work, come home, sleep. And there has to be, 
I really do think that stoicism can help us to to really put things in their proper place and say that, listen, my life isn't just about one thing. It has to be a beautiful, harmonious connection of many elements that go into creating eudaimonia, you know, the good life. Right. Um, and so and on career that, is number one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So on that note, hmm. if you go into that circumstance where the promotion is still kind of hovering in the air, and you are prepared to turn it down with the with the awareness of, of why you're doing it uh, to build um, a resistance to things that seem nice um, to give yourself a little bit of uh, cognitive dis- distancing mm. uh, so that you can analyze it a little bit better. If you then choose to take on the promotion, you will have done so with the awareness that um, it's likely that I'm going to uh, be because I'm on salary. As an example, it's likely that people are going to be calling me on my off hours, mm. and based off of whatever the rules are, I might have to respond to that. Um, yeah. That I'm going to have extended work hours. That um, it's not just going to be about a bigger paycheck. It's going to have increased responsibility. Mm. Um, that uh, there's there's going to be a trade with that, but it's it's a two-parter mm. in the sense that you're you're no longer you're no longer doing things for the sake of of getting the promotion mm. you're cognizant of what you would gain from turning it down and then in mm. addition if you take it on you're less afraid of everything that you just explained yeah um, the increased responsibility the um the pressure of um a supervisory role that mm. type of thing um, so you are building a resistance to desire, which might sound a little strange uh, to most people, but there is a purpose behind that. Mm. Uh, but that's a whole other hour conversation. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the, the fear part of it is something that everybody can recognize because everybody wants to be less afraid. Mm. Um, and your your intention going into a situation like that will absolutely help you build a resistance to fear. Hmm. And, and I think this is a really important point that you make. And what you're talking about so much in this interview, which I love, is making sure that you're getting the clearest possible picture of what's in front of you and not just accepting it. And in one way, you could say that a very quick way to become fearful or to be ineffective is to be dragged along by life in that whatever comes up in front of you, you just accept it and you jump at it, right? But... It's so true, and I can see examples of this in my life and the people around me as well. When you when you sit down and you think about what is the trade-off that's happening here? What? Why would I consider taking this career? Why wouldn't I consider taking this career? Then you actually take the decision out of the hands of the people who are offering it to you. You take the decision out of everybody else, and, and you basically you put the decision back at your own feet. And you have full control over the outcome of, of this situation. And, and by doing that, it really just does get rid of so much fear because you're the one who's made the decision, not the thing that's right in front of you, basically choosing mm-hmm. it for you. And that might be like a, that might be a great place to, to kind of segue out of the discussion of, of, of career. And I just have one more question for you because I think that it's been leading to this like, 
What are some exercises that people can do that can help them to get more in touch with that side of themselves that is able to see things for what they really are and not just as oh, opportunity, this is good, you know? Like how do you mm-hmm. get, get past that quick response to things and slow down so that you can, you know, manage the many decisions that we have to make in our careers or in our lives? Yeah, to be, to be blunt, practicing... Yeah. And rehearsing to yourself. Mm. Um, when I was first learning how to practice stoicism, it was in a vacuum. Uh, mm-hmm. Pretty much literally. I had no idea that anybody was really interested in stoicism at all, yeah. anywhere. I didn't look into any kind of groups or anything because I thought that it was an obscure thing. Mm. Um, and it was just something that I was trying to see if it would work because I wasn't yeah. happy with my circumstances, what was going on with my life. And so on. And uh, all I really had to go off of was um, the handbook of uh, the Enchiridion, which is like a short form of the discourses. You know from who. uh, (laughs) Shut up about them. Yeah. (laughs) Um, It was extraordinarily difficult to start practicing uh, because there's, as you probably noticed, and many people that are listening, there's no roadmap. There's no uh, stoic teachers, uh, like like teachers in the sense as they existed like 2,000 years ago. Hmm. Um, there's a lot of talk about its usefulness, a lot of writings about its usefulness, um, writings about how to apply it um, hmm. in certain circumstances, articles and, and all that. Um, but as to where you start, like like point A, like what is point A? Yeah, it's it's trying to find something I would recommend in the the older ancient texts and the translations that that seem to be the most readable to you, trying to identify something that you are struggling with in general, not just Hmm. in your in your occupation, although it's probably related to it in some Hmm. way. And to try to say to yourself, what would it be like if I actually believed that? And I'm going to try to behave as if I believe that, um, what, like every every day or so. Mm. I'll try to remember a specific phrase, something that's easily digestible. And if that situation comes up during the day in my job, at home, over a phone call, whatever, I'm going to try to tell myself that phrase and then say to myself, I'm going to try to apply that here. And I'm going to try to envision myself approaching the situation that way. Hmm. Um, that is where it starts. Uh, eventually, once you get into that habit of trying to isolate a phrase, trying to reread it a number of times and apply it to the situations that it seems hmm. to apply to, you'll just develop the habit of doing that with the other things that you read. Um, so that's that's how I got to uh, the example that I gave before where you're in appearance and you're not necessarily what you seem to be. Um, mm. This situation is only going to be confined to this moment. And in a week or two, I might not even remember it. If it's something mm. trivial, if it seems that the proposition is telling me that this thing is bad because this person um, said this thing about me, am I really going to recall that mm. within a few weeks um, and other examples. So it, it all starts 
at uh, trying to develop the habit. Hmm. Yeah, definitely. And that's so important what you say there about asking the question, like, what would my life look like if I actually acted as if I believe this thing that's in front of me? That's so important. And you can learn both the good things that you're doing and the bad things that you're doing. Or not even that, just like the, the you might phrase it like, you can learn the helpful things that you're doing and the unhelpful things that you're doing in your life right now simply by asking that question. If I keep on believing this impression that I have right now that I really want this new thing and it's going to bring me happiness, what's that going to lead to? It's going to lead to a garage full of crap that nobody ever looks at anymore. And it's going to you know, just lead to me not really finding any true joy in the, in the things that I have. Um, and it's the same with career. It's the same with pretty much every area of your life. Like question the impressions that you have in those moments, because we as human beings tend to way too quickly believe the things that come up to us in the moments, um, and and of decision-making. But, uh, look, Travis, this has been awesome. I really appreciate you coming on the show and, um, you know, sharing your knowledge and your insights with us. Um, and I'm going to get you, you having to, me. hey, anytime, I'm going to send you a link where you can book at any time to come back on the show because I'd love to talk to you more. Um, yeah, and I'm also to. going to put a whole bunch of your links in the show notes um, so that people can find where you do your writing. But is there anything else that you wanted to share with the audience before we uh, say goodbye? Just thank you for being here and listening mm-hmm. and uh working with us on the roller coaster of technical issues that definitely will not happen next time. <laughs> yeah, we'll figure it out. <laughs> yeah. No, I love it. Thanks so much, Travis. We'll talk to you next time. All right, so there you have it, my interview with Travis Hume, and I'm sure you enjoyed that as much as I did. And uh, and I hope that you reach out to Travis and let him know how much you appreciated him coming on the show. Uh, But as I said at the start of the show, I'll put all of the links to where you can find Travis and his works online and make sure you head there and check that out as well. But I'll talk to you next time. And until then, I hope that this episode has helped you on your rise to the good life. Ciao. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Practical Stoic Podcast. If you'd like to stay up to date with the Practical Stoic community and everything to do with this podcast, then just go to my website, simonjedrew.com and subscribe to the Practical Stoic Weekly, a newsletter that I send out every week with updates and all sorts of great Stoic insights. You can also find me everywhere online by searching Simon J. E. Drew. See you next time.